You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. This is Classic Business with Michael Avery on Classic 1027 in Johannesburg and Fine Music Radio in Cape Town. Africa feature. Well, paradoxically, two trends intersect at this junction of Africa's journey towards development. Uh, Between 1990 and 2015, poverty rates decreased from 54% to 41%, yet the sheer number of Africans living under $1.90 a day increased from 278 million to 416 million. The reason, well, it's quite clear, it's population growth. The question is how to address this, how to move Africa onto a path of prosperity at a rate that uh, is far Faster than the population is growing, a population that is destined to become 4 billion people by the turn of the century. It's a central question that forms the backbone of the inaugural African Innovation Report. It was released recently by the Harambe Entrepreneur Alliance in partnership with Oppenheimer Generations. And I've got a Kendo Lewis Gale, the author of Harambeans, founding partner of Harambeans Prosperity Fund and chairman of the Harambe Entrepreneur Alliance on the line. Kendo, welcome. Aloha. Thank you for having me. Now, Harambee is an amazing ecosystem. You've got over 300 young African leaders, uh, Harambians, which you call them, and it spawned a series of tech-enabled ventures such as Yoko and Flutterwave and Andela, very well known. Uh, collectively, you've generated over 3,000 jobs. You've raised over half a billion dollars from Google Ventures, from Chan Zuckerberg and Alibaba. What is this initiative all about to try and unlock innovation and to get Africa onto a sustainable, prosperous path? Well, thank you again for having me. I, I like to always remind people Harambe is sort of an overnight success that took 10 years. <laughs> In a sense, uh, what you're seeing is a result of a gradual process uh, which we have uh, initially really instilled confidence in young African innovators that they could not only start ventures and overcome the you know, perennial challenges on the ground, but also scale and attract uh, global capital. And I think we are now, again, Colombians you know, at 13, and what you're seeing is really the result of, of the seeds that we have planted in, in a very fertile soil. Um, and it's harvest time, and I think what's in, it's important and critical that we find ourselves at that stage because the truth is that as great as everything we've done uh, might appear, the truth is that uh, we have just begun. There's a lot more work to be done. And many people who are um, quite understandably skeptical that innovators can actually deliver um, the kind of um, technology and job creation that is required to keep up, as you mentioned, with population growth. And what one thing that the African Innovation Report does is it, it begins to show us if it's going to happen, here's how it might it might happen, and here's some countries and some companies that um, give us inklings of, as to how this might come about. And a market-creating innovation, we're talking not just about uh, new products or services, we're talking about new business models, and we've seen uh, the, the usual examples that are, t- are trotted out are very much platform-based businesses. Where in Africa will we likely see market-creating innovation evolve? Yeah, I think always when I think about market innovations, I, I like to remind people that we believe or not at the beginning of this century, um, people didn't believe that there could be cell phones across Africa because the reality is that you know they were uh, based on the models in the late 1990s. They were very expensive. Uh, people could not 
to even begin to wrap their minds around how that could happen. And yet Dr. Ibrahim came along and redesigned the business model. And, and now, they, of course, there are over 800 million cell phones across Africa that have transformed everything we do. Um, and similarly, I think you will see similar efforts happening in a variety of industries. In healthcare it clearly desperately needs that. And we see efforts here in South Africa with one of our companies called Vula Mobile. Um, but, of course, fintech. And in terms of where we will see it, I think if need is the mother of all great invention, <laughs> then the continent will become the laboratory for many of these technologies you know, for the world. And I do think that um, it's some of those most unexpected places that you'll see that some of this. And, um, you know, as difficult a situation is in Nigeria, um, it's, it's one that has continues to surprise people and, and will continue to do so. Mm. Um, but at the core, I think, is, is, is you have fundamentally, we have to do, design new ways of delivering healthcare, education, um, you name it. And, and these innovators have a tremendous opportunity uh, to do so, particularly because of the rise of technology and the shortening of the uh, adoption rates of technology. Just think about it this way. It, it took landlines, 72 years to reach 50% penetration in the United States. It took cars 30 years. It took iPads five years. And if you think that's a uniquely American phenomenon, well, it took cell phones eight years to reach 50% penetration across Africa. And so we know that some of the things that um, majestically transform our lives by the end of this decade uh, no one's even ever heard of. Maybe perhaps no one has even started working on them, but very quickly they could touch every single one of us. And and, and we generally think that's why we have to uh, become more um, systematic about how do we identify these mm. market-creating innovators and how do we develop an ecosystem where they can thrive and grow quickly. Well, I love that word systematic because ultimately what we're saying is, yes, there's big opportunity in education, in healthcare, in all of those factors you've mentioned, in utilities, in transport, in energy. But what are the winning factors for ventures to build and scale real economic value in Africa? What do we need to see present in order for these innovators to get on doing what they do? I think what you for for that to happen, we we first have to have um, the mindset um, around and so get the frameworks right. Right, and in a sense, fundamentally, what we need to be looking for is businesses that are trying to cater to the needs of not just the 80 million Africans in the middle class, but the 800 million people across this continent that are not yet part of the global economy. Right, and if you think of what Dr. Ibrahim did with cell tail and cell phones, right, he he. You get yet to figure out a way to great make sure the people who couldn't afford cell phones could have it, and those are the tough nuts to crack, right? If you look at the work of Yoko in this country, which is one of the companies that we identified as a, a market creating innovator, right? They're realizing there's a whole lot of folks in informal businesses that are not currently using, are not currently part of the financial system, can't get access to credit cards, and and so they're saying, well, how could we make this? Um, service available to them so that they can be part of that global economy. And so I always think that these market-creating innovators are actually ultimately trying to crack the tough nuts. And then, and if they succeed, there are implications for everyone, right? So then they're not the low-hanging fruits, but they're those fruits that are just beyond our reach that require us to stretch in a bit of collective imagination. But there are 
global implications for all of this. And I, one of the things I also, as you know, served as the African advisor to Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla uh, Zuckerberg of the Chain Zuckerberg Initiative. And on a panel uh, in Silicon Valley recently, I mentioned that let us not forget that before China had Alipay in America, had Apple Pay. Kenya had M-Pesa. Yeah. And our hope in, in this alliance is that the next time uh, we have one of those, uh, China won't need Alipay and America won't need Apple Pay because we already have M-Pesa. We, we not only can be the laboratory for these things, but we could be the places where these expand and grow. And, and I genuinely think that that's the opportunity and, and the importance of the report and by having an annual basis is that we can measure. We can measure, okay, how are we doing? What's working? What isn't working? And how do we spread the best practices as soon as possible and to accelerate this? Okay, and a fascinating report. We barely touched the surface. We really just got uh, speaking about uh, uh, the, the why. Uh, we'll have to have you back on a panel talking about uh, the how and uh, and the what can be done as well. Uh, Kendall Lewis-Gale, founder of the Harambee Entrepreneur Alliance, a graduate of Harvard University and the inaugural entrepreneur in residence at Schwarzman College in Beijing.